Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are covering the case of James Joseph Richardson. Okay, but before we get into that, Ryan, what have you been up to? Well, as you know, and I'm sure callers recall from last week, I started a new job. I know, I'm so excited for you. You've had some cute stories that you've told me. Yes, you know, it's just, it's a new adventure in your life. It is. It's it, something better than, hey, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say that I got something. Yeah, you got something, which is always fun. Yeah, and if you callers do not recall from last week's episode, I am a teacher. You are a teacher now. At a place here where we're from. Right, you are teaching students and you teach listeners all about true crime. Yes. So you are a double teacher. I am I am a double teacher. Only bad thing is, is I'm not paying you for this one. <laughs> what about you? What's going on with you? Oh, okay. So I am still in the room. I just wanted to double check because typically I ask you, you ask me, but you paused like I was just not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last night we had the fun sugar glider incident where I we give them treats every night and they are currently on treat punishment. Because when I went to go put in the fish sticks for them, that became a tangled ball of fluff mess when one grabbed it and then the other one grabbed it, but then they grabbed onto each other and started fighting it out over them. Yeah, so sugar gliders and their fish stick, it's like crack. Right, it's it's sugar glider crack. Right, and they will throw down. They Oh, yeah. For their crack. Right. Emma threw the first blow and Regina retaliated. But Regina is so much larger, (laughs) and Emma sometimes doesn't realize she is so much smaller than Regina, and will get her ass kicked. Right. So I'm like, yeah, like I'm blowing on them, and I'm like, knock it off, which woke you up. And then I was like, they're on punishment, (laughs) so they're grounded today. It was crazy. Right. The other animals, they're wonderful. Not in trouble with anything. Those two, grounded. (laughs) We don't have children, so I have to ground something. Right, 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 right. All right, Ryan. You know who else is not grounded, though? Who's not grounded? Our callers. So you know what that means? Shout outs. Shout outs. We have Jessica W. We have Allie Y. And Dustin H. Thank you guys so much for being callers. We would not know how to do this without you each and every week. And hopefully you're not grounded. Right. Hopefully you are not grounded or in the doghouse. (laughs) All right, Ryan. Why don't you get us started on this case? All right. So again, let's do that quick recap of how these episodes are going to go this season on Guilty or Innocent. Keith and I are going to give you some background and the facts of the case like we usually do. But the actual story of the case will be shorter than the normal compared to our trial time portion. During that trial time portion, I will take the role of the quote prosecution and emphasize why James is guilty even if I truly agree or not. And Keith is going to take the role of the, quote, defense and shed some light on why James is innocent. Even if I believe he is actually innocent or not. After all that, Ryan and myself will then play the role of the, quote, jury. And we'll give our thoughts and opinions on the case after hearing the details 
whether we believe James is innocent or guilty. Then, Ryan will tell us what actually happened and the outcome of his trial, and if there's any updates. So, with all that being said, let's fire up that trusty old time machine and head back to Arcadia, Florida in October 1967. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when you're dead. Cannot be responsible for any lost limbs. Here, we are going to meet 32-year-old James Joseph Richardson. He has a wife. Like they normally do. Yes, Annie Mae. I like that name. That is a very cute name. And seven kids. That's too many children. Whoa, seven kids? Listen, I don't think I could handle two. My mm-hmm. mom had three and I, I don't know how she did it. I, I I couldn't imagine with one sometimes. Right. But seven? Seven. Oh, you're forgetting names left and right. So Everybody is the same person. So we have Betty, yes. who was aged eight. Alice was seven. Susie was six. Doreen was five. Vanessa was four. Diane was three. And finally, James Jr. was only two years old. Okay, I have a quick question. She's having a child a year. Correct. She is popping them out year after year. That can't be healthy, can it? Aren't you supposed to take like a certain period of time, like eight months or something like that, to a year after you've had a kid to conceive another? I don't know if it's that long. I think it's only like a month or so. Oh, see, I thought it was longer. Okay, callers, write in and let us know. Right. Can you be that dedicated where you pop one out every 12 months? Right, because I really, I feel like that would be unhealthy for a woman to constantly do that without, you know. I feel like they would just start walking out after number three if you do a sneeze too hard. That doesn't seem right. She's not a clown car. (laughs) Every year. Bloop. Bloop. Right. Does she just expect them at a certain point? Like, oh, (laughs) yep, we're doing it. Okay, so she looks at the calendar, and she was like, listen, the last one was born in June, so we need to do this nine months prior to June. I need (laughs) one that's in August, one in September, one in October. Fuck the winter months. I'm not giving birth in the winter. And then she, like, got to, like, May. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was just James was very persistent, and he wanted a boy, and they were going to keep trying till he got a boy, because the first six are all girls. Oh, man. And then James Jr. Or, was the only boy. Let's not blame just poor James here, because it may have been her, too. I, yeah, it could have been she her, She was too. probably like, I need, a, I need another man in this household. <laughs> Callers, keep in mind that we are in the South during the 1960s, so I'm sure you can imagine what life was like for this African-American family. Every morning, James and Annie Mae would wake up, cook their kids' breakfast, then head to work in the citrus fields. The neighbor, Bessie Reese, would come over with her kids to babysit the younger Richardson kids and make sure the older ones got off to school okay. I think that's where the whole takes a whole village. Yes, yes. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen any movies that involved Southern African-American communities where it's like kind of like their homes are almost shed-ish looking and they're close right next to each other. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what... The Help does a good job of showing that. Like, The Help was not the best movie, but it does do a good job of showing the atmosphere of what they were living in. And that's, that's pretty much what it was like. Right. The morning of October 25th, 1967, started off like any other weekday. Parents off to work, kids off to school, babysitter doing the babysitting thing. However, at school, 
One of the older Richardson kids started complaining of stomach pains. Then another. Then another. Then another. And then another. That's a lot of nothers. That is. All five of the oldest kids that were at that school that day not only had stomach pains, they began foaming from their mouths. Oh, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. No. Mm -mm. Soon, all five kids would be dead. Which is tragic. Could you imagine, you're in the 60s, I'm sure there was not something to stop them from going through this and having to witness that, like being the person having to witness this? Right, yeah, no, it would be... Like, what do you do? It's terrifying for the children going through it. It's terrifying for the witnesses of it. It's all around just a sad situation. Right, right. The teacher is obviously concerned, which they fucking should be. Yeah. Typically, kids don't start foaming at the mouth and then drop dead. (laughs) Almost like a real-life horror movie, they notified the police. While some police went to the citrus fields to notify the kids' parents, others went to the kids' house because they knew that the family had other kids. When the police arrived at the Richardson's household, though, they were greeted with a scared and crying Bessie Reese, who had the other two Richardson kids lifeless. They met the same fates as the five kids at school. What the sheriff was able to determine was that all seven kids were poisoned by insecticide. Insecticide. Oh, I'm sorry. Insecticide, not insecticide. Okay, I I wanted... Nope. We're not even going there. Insecticide. Callers, he said incesticide. I did, and we just need to... It's been a real long day for me. All right, I'm just saying that Games of Thronies was some murderies and some weird shit going on Listen, I have been up since 5.30 this morning. I'm real tired. (laughs) I've dealt with a lot today. (laughs) I meant to say insecticide, not (laughs) incesticide. You're going to leave it in, because it's fucking hilarious. That is fucking hilarious. But it is insecticide. And now those people who are listening to our podcast, as a kid, are going to be like, what's incesticide? Oh my god, they're going to repeat it to everybody. Oh man. Oh, that's going to become a new shirt. Whoops. On the back of it, it's going to say, what is incesticide? If that's not a word, TMTM out there. Yes, we're getting in the dictionary. (laughs) Or on to... What is it? Uh, Urban Dictionary. Oh, Urban Dictionary. We're going to make up a thing for Urban Dictionary. There (laughs) we go. Anyway, the only question remained was who killed the children? Right. Well, it wasn't with incesticide. It was with insecticide. That's bug bug poison. Bug poison. Bug poison. (laughs) They do end up charging James Joseph with neglect. When he was released a few months later, the sheriff rearrested him and charged him with the murder. The murder of his seven children. Okay, so with that being said, let's head to trial time. But can I ask a quick question? Yeah. How is it neglect when he left them with the babysitter and his wife? Why is his wife not also being charged? Okay, so I believe the wife could have been charged as well. Okay. With neglect. But they only wanted... The man of the house? The man of the house for the murders. Okay, But my question is, is where do they get neglect? They were with a babysitter. Poor choice in hiring? I don't know. Oh, okay. I I, I just didn't know if you knew from your reading of, like, how uh, they connected (laughs) it from dead children to you neglected them, even though you had a babysitter. 
I mean, I I wish I could, and I wish I had a better answer than it's 1960s down south Florida. And racism. And yes. Okay. But I don't want to say that. No, I'll uh, say it, racism. I mean, it very much could be, but there could also be a, a silver lining that was hidden of why. Cause okay. The neglect charge landed him only a few months. Got you. Which I feel like generally that would be a lot longer. Oh, so you think they were fishing for something to be able to tie him up until they could get him? They couldn't hold him long term. So they needed something until they could try to get him with the murder charges. Yes. Okay. So it could be racism or it could be trying to get justice for seven children. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay, now that that question is out of the way, Ryan, do you want to get us into your part of trial time? Yeah. Let's take a look at the evidence supporting James's guilt. Okay, let's do this. Generally, I do not like saying emotion. Right. However, James showed zero emotion during this whole process. The right. uh, the arrest, the the finding out your kids are dead, the standing in front of the seven little white coffins at the funeral yeah that's hard zero emotion and you know generally people grieve in different ways but But if you're a parent burying seven all seven of your kids there should be something there should be something right not just oh but you know it could also be shock yeah that's true it could be shock you know of just standing there and being like holy shit i can't believe this actually happened yeah it could be but i just feel it's a little sus yeah all right so My second point, there was a life insurance card found at the Richardson household, and it was life insurance for each child that was purchased the night before the poisoning, and it was worth $500 per child. Which we did look up, and it equates to $5,000 in today's money. And you gotta think, in the 1960s, down south, in in a poor neighborhood, right? and you just get $35,000, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And then my final point, while in prison for those few months for the child neglect, James spoke a lot. There was a few prison informants that testified that James confessed to killing his kids. Okay. So you you made some valid arguments for his guilt. Woo, go team prosecution. (sighs) Uh, right, I'm not here to defend you. Right. Um, like you said, he showed zero emotion during the whole process. I I would like to equate that to being in shock. And so I, I'll give you the point for that. But I do think that maybe, maybe he was doing it behind closed doors because he wanted to seem like the strong person for his wife. But then behind, you know, then is losing it behind closed doors. But to the public eye, it is going to look like you are cold-hearted. Yes, yes. The life insurance thing. So typically, I don't give out more than one point. But you're getting you're getting seven points for that one. <laughs> uh, because there's a point for each child. Why would you purchase uh, life insurance on each child the night before all of them die. I'm not saying that coincidences don't happen. They don't happen in this type of manner. That, that level, very suspicious. Right. Yeah, you are definitely... Somebody did something. Okay. I'm not going to give you any points, though, for the last one. I didn't think you would. 
uh, I don't trust informants, and I don't for a reason of typically there's something for them to gain. Exactly. And they're willing to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're walking away with a total of eight points this a time. A trillion points. Right. But uh, that last one, that is not good evidence. Like, you can't bring that to the table and say, well, somebody said, okay, Mr. Prosecutioner, I think you did it. And guess what? I just said it, so now you did it. <laughs> <laughs> See how that worked? Neener, neener. Right. Neener, nah. Okay, so now let's take a look at the evidence supporting his innocence. Just as a reminder, my job is to cast doubt in just one person's mind to get an acquittal. Or a mistrial. Or Or a mistrial, yeah. Yeah. Just one. Right, I just need one. Just one. So, the life insurance was actually just a quote. In the end, wasn't there wasn't any life insurance on the kids. Bo. Mm, I should take away some points from somebody. <laughs> James and his wife were at work when the kids died. How fast acting is the insecticide if digested? Would it take that long to make you foam at the mouth? Okay, okay. I honestly, I think if I remember, it takes up to 20 minutes for your food to digest. I don't think it would take long in a child to digest. So that's where I'm going to go with it probably wasn't him. At the initial initial search, oh my gosh, I'm having a way with words today. Yeah, especially those I words. Ah, shut up. (laughs) At the initial search of the property, there was no insecticide found. Then a couple of days later, detectives decided to search again, and then just like magic, there is now insecticide found on the property. I call that planting evidence for a thousand, Alex. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is not. Are you going to stand here and try to defend the police to me? Sir, that is my job. No, you... I am prosecution. Please take several seats with your prosecutorial ass, because (laughs) you definitely planted evidence to make me look super sus. Either you did or somebody else did. (laughs) Go ahead and give me my points now, please. All right. The life insurance was actually a quote. Uh-huh. That that's damning. So I'm not I'm not oh hmm. I'm not gonna actually give you any points for that. <gasps> However, I will take away my seven points that you gave oh, me. Okay. Well I want your kids I want those children to still have those seven points as they were <laughs> worth something. <laughs> and then uh let's see. James and his wife were out. When they were at work, so uh, how fast does it work? We don't know. I did look it up, and I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know either. It could... I would like to give you a point, but at the same time, I feel I can't, just because we are not... We're not scientists, and it very... When I looked it up, it did vary. Right. So, could, could James or his wife fed it to them and then left? Could the babysitter have fed it after they left? We don't know. Right, and we don't know how long it was before... They left to the time that they got to school to the time that the death actually occurred. Right. It did happen all in the morning. Right, it did. So it was from at some point whenever they went to school to before noon. So we'll say a four or five hour span. Like, who knows? Right. We don't know if like, oh, James and his wife were there and they watched their kids get on the bus. There wasn't no bus. Well, you know what I mean. Like, go to school. (laughs) Or if... You know, Bessie got there, and then they were like, oh, we're we're off. 
Right, right. You know, and we got to get to the fields to get working, you know, because you probably would want to get there very early when it's still cool. But we don't know because there's not a good timeline of that and they never establish that. Right. And then thirdly, oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm going to say no points on that one. Oh, damn. And then thirdly, the the magical insecticide. Yeah, that's definitely a, a point for you there. Because at least I get one. So I think that puts us tied one to one. Yeah, we're winning. I'm winning. Winning. You're winning. Yeah, because now I feel like I have cast some kind of doubt. Uh, potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Okay, so now that we have discussed these points, where do you stand on your you're in the jury box at this point and you have heard these points? So where do you stand? Are you going with guilty? Are you going with innocent? Or are you going to opt to become a hung jury member? Oh, man. So, am I doing the mindset in today's world? Or should I be doing it in 1960? I should be the 1960 and one of the the 12 white jury people on the jury? Uh, I'm sure, yes. Yes. Yep. (laughs) But you weren't as racist as the rest. Oh, I wasn't as racist as the rest. There was probably some racism there, but you weren't as racist. Okay. Um... Oh boy. Okay, let me let me preface this because there's going to be we need to take away the life insurance thing because that's something that will happen later on that we can talk about. That that the life insurance the policy doesn't get found out that it isn't a policy until right. some later on. Till later on. So actually it is presumed that yeah, okay, the life so, insurance was bought right. the night before. Right. Okay? So you're going based off of that. I would be voting guilty. Okay. I would also be voting guilty because I would believe you bought life insurance and you killed both of your children. And you're working... Both of them. All seven of them. Right. And And you're magically working when they died. Magically working and and you're you're, uh, working in a city. You pick fruit all day. Right. You pick oranges. Yeah. Sounds like a terrible job. I'm sure it was. And I'm sure it was not like a high paying job. So, yeah. I I would instantly vote guilty. Now... What is the actual outcome of this case? So, you know, as as we can tell, this is a very interesting case. Yes, it is. And something that is very unique that happened in this case is the DA, district attorney, right, only prosecuted James for the murder of one of the kids. Oh, I don't like that. Just one, the eldest. I don't like that at all. And this was because if the first didn't succeed, he would be able to try him again for the oh, next kid, and okay, so I on like and that. so on. I mean, it is, it's a good tactic, but at the same time, it's Real very shitty. shitty. Yeah. yeah. So this, this sneaky tactic did go to waste, because on May 31st, 1968, and only after 30 minutes of deliberation, James Joseph Richardson was found guilty and sentenced to death. 30 minutes of deliberation. Yeah, see, I and, just don't like that. That's not long enough to think about. However, though, remember how we were just, before we made the amendment to the in, the insurance thing, which will yeah. come up later, we were struggling with, eh, eh. Right, but then right. after we took that off the table, like it was taken off the right. table in real life, we were instantly. Right, because now you're putting your feelings into it at that point. You're saying, oh, these are seven innocent children, and this man was greedy, and he just killed his kids. Exactly. And then you come up home and see this babysitter just bawling and frantic right. too. Like, what happened? She didn't know what was going on. And but the dad was like, mm, "Yeah." Don't you think it's suspect though that she didn't try to get the neighbors or try to get the police? 
So I don't know what happened so far on that end. Like, I mean, she could have. Or... Because, you know, we talked about that the police arrived there to find her upset. Which makes me think that she never called anybody. They may not have had the ability to call anybody. That is true. That is true. So I, I don't know. So then, as some of you may recall, in some of our earlier cases, in 1972, the U.S. Supreme Court declared that the death penalty is unconstitutional, and his sentence was commuted to life in prison. So Florida decided that it was, or? No, this was the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. In 1972, they declared it unconstitutional, and all death penalty was off the table until later, later it was determined that it should be up to the states, and that's why some states have the death penalty and some do not. Okay. Because it's no longer a federal issue. All right. So, Ryan, do you have any updates for us on this case? Yes, there are a few updates for this case. I would hope so. <laughs> so, do you remember Bessie Reese? Yes, I do. Yes, the babysitter? Yeah. Well, as of 1988, she was living in a nursing home and had actually confessed to the murders of the Richardson kids several times. However, because she was suffering from Alzheimer's, her confessions were not taken seriously. Which I understand in the court of law why you're not doing that. However, I personally believe that she may have been having a moment of clarity and felt the need that while she was in that moment of clarity, she needed to confess to get that off of her chest. True, 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 true. Then in late 1989, after serving nearly 21 years of his life sentence, evidence started falling apart. That life insurance policy that was on the kids turned out to only be a quote. As we mentioned earlier. Right. Then, the prison informants retracted their statements. Because, as you said, they were off under a deal right, to get out earlier to say he was guilty. The magically appearing pesticide was planted by a neighbor. Whoops. What? Plus, Betsy Reese, previous crimes came to light, and one of those crimes was allegedly killing her ex-husband by poison. Whoops. Ooh, we hired the poison nanny. <laughs> mm, do you want a little bit of insecticide? Or do you want incesticide? <laughs> Fucking I. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, not that, but... No, um... God, no. <laughs> the judge declared that he did not receive a fair trial and called for a mistrial, which, bravo to that judge. Right, so he threw that verdict out. Right, he said, I don't know who the fuck judged this one last time, but you were dumb as hell. <laughs> However, the prosecution opted to not retry James, and therefore he was released from jail. Which he should have been. If you don't want to retry him, let him go. Exactly. Well, because uh, technically he's not guilty at that time. Right, and he ain't got enough evidence. Right. Saying somebody did it, and then everybody planted shit, and everybody said shit that they wanted to say. Well, now you don't have a case, and you should have done better 21 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So then, in 2008... James Richardson was one of the first people to file for compensation from the Florida's Wrongful Conviction Compensation Law, which basically says for every year you are wrongfully incarcerated, the state will pay you $50,000. Which they should have to. That is about a livable wage a year. Right. So, with that being said, James was, would get a little over $1 million for his time served. Damn. But then, after another decade of legal bullshit, 
he finally received his first payment in 2018. Oh my god, that is some shit. I'd be so pissed. I would have burnt the building down. So, something that was kind of cool after all this, James actually ended up hanging out and living with his attorney. Oh. For the longest while. Was that because he just didn't have a place to live at that point? Well, yeah, he had literally nothing. Yeah. They let him out of prison without a penny to his name. and Yeah, you know, I think that's wonderful that his lawyer was like, let me... Let me take you in and get you, you know, reacclimated to life. Right. And then eventually he was pawned off on one of the lawyer's friends. And then uh, the friends ended up taking care of him to this day. I was going to say, is he still alive? He is. He is the only one still alive. Bessie ended up passing away in the 90s. And the sheriff and the DA, white power people, died in the 90s. And then, what about Annie? They ended up getting divorced, but he did get uh, remarried. Well, was that because she believed that maybe he had killed them? I don't... Or was it just the stress? I've never seen anything about believing or not, but I I would imagine it was um, irreconcilable differences. Well, I would wonder why. All of my (laughs) children are dead, and you've been accused of murdering them. Right, 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 right. So, there you have it. There is episode six, the case of James Joseph Richardson. I really like this case. This was a good case. Well, because we TM'd a new fucking word in it. We did. Like always, if you know anybody that is suffering from a mental health crisis or suicidal thoughts, please have them reach out to 988. Also, remember, if you like this episode... Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Don't forget to follow us on the socials, facebook.com slash callusdead. Follow us on TikTok at callusdead, where you can see some fun videos of us. Or better yet, Jakaris the cat, Emma and Regina the naughty sugar gliders, or of course, those pooches Lola and Bailey. Or email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case. Ask some questions, suggest some cases, or just to say hi. Also, if any of you callers would like us to give a shout-out or message to someone you know, let us know. But until then, remember to stay strong, do everything with love, know there is always hope, and in case you forget, you can always call call us when when you're dead. dead.